Okay, we're going to try something a little different. I've never done this before, so this is new to, new to you. That's fine. One of the things that I, I do a lot when I um, study and spend time in the Word, and uh, especially when I'm preparing to, to teach or preach, is I end up doing what we call word studies. Because uh, oftentimes the words in the original are a little bit different and, and we do our best in our translations to come up with either an exact equivalent as we can or in some of the translations to make them more readable, we call them dynamic equivalents, okay? So um, probably, and, and I didn't realize this until I was doing some study for this, probably one of the more accurate word-for-word -word translations is actually the ESV now. I always thought it was just the NASB, but I, I, I'll have to put it up on the Facebook page for the church. Uh, I don't think I've done that yet. It, it, it shows readability and then accuracy as far as sort of a word-for-word -word translation. And ESV is a little bit more readable, and just on the chart that the, the, the uh, theologians put up, just a little bit on the other side as far as a sort of word-for-word -word accuracy of, of just giving you the exact word that's there. And the one I like to quote from a lot, the New Living Translation, is what we'd call, has a lot more dynamic equivalent. Every, every translation has dynamic equivalent to it. And uh, so, while not as much word for word, um, the New Living Translation is very readable. It does its best to do uh, what we call this dynamic equivalent. So, I, I've, I was looking at some of the words that we use, often use in Christianity and we often talk about, and peace is one of them, we, and it fit in well because uh, it was what we had talked about this morning, this concept of peace. And, uh, and, and you know, there's, was it the Beatles just give peace a chance? Wasn't that the group that sang it? Yes, I'm getting nods. It was before my time. Well, no, actually, I was little. I don't remember it, but um, I had just heard it recently, and sometimes it thinks things go around. Uh, so we have lots of these symbols that represent peace. So I wanted to take a look at, helps if I turn it on probably. There it goes. Works like a vibrator when you turn it on. Okay. So I looked at some of the, what people talk about peace, because right now, and it's even before Ukraine and everything that's happened, it almost seems like in some respects we're going through the 60s again um, from what I read in history. So St. Francis de Sales, never be in a hurry. Do everything quietly in a calm spirit. Do not lose your inner peace for anything whatsoever, even if your whole world seems upset. So when he talks about peace, this is what he means. Then we have this one. If you're depressed, you are living in the past. If you're anxious, you are living in the future. If you're living... If you are at peace, you are living in the present. So that's one of those gurus, and, and they come up with these things for people. And, and then you try to anchor into something like this. And, and that's what a lot of people do. We see them anchoring into what I'd call false peace. Norman Vincent Peale. I wouldn't call him an evangelical, but anyhow. The, the, the life of inner peace, being harmonious and without stress, is the easiest type of existence. And uh, again, we see people anchor into these thoughts and definitions of peace. 
Here's another one. Sometimes you can find peace of mind by transferring yourself to different situations. Uh, They're just reminders to stay calm. And they will teach you a lot. Uh, This sort of concept of peace, um, and it's not necessarily bad. It isn't what we talk about, biblical peace. Or you talk to anybody that struggled with anxiety, and, and I have in the past, and for years when I preached, I had a difficult time with anxiety. Uh, I had collapsed once in a pulpit, and uh, it was really difficult for me. And I had a Christian doctor, and she didn't quite quote this. She says, you need to be able to center on something. She says, you want to center your thoughts, and she was a believer, on Christ. But sometimes you just need to ground yourself with some sort of picture or something. Just to go, okay, I'm calm, everything's going to be fine. She says, you'll learn to cognitively with your mind to deal with this. So I had a postcard that somebody sent me that had a palm tree. I always think one of the peaceful, and I've never, I've been to Florida once, but I always thought it looked so peaceful, a palm tree on a beach with the blue water. So if anybody was to sneak up behind me for years on a pulpit, there would be a postcard to the one side of the palm tree with the beach in front of me. And if I got myself too anxious, I'd go, ah, and then I could continue on really quick. Nobody ever saw the postcard. And uh, eventually, as I learned to understand anxiety and to deal with it, it was much better. But there are people that will teach you that. Just transfer yourself somewhere else. Well, that, all, that only brings temporary peace because next time I had to preach, I had to have the postcard again. But it got, the doctor understood it would get me to where she wanted me to go. Or this one from Alana Morissette, uh, one of our rock people. Peace of mind for five minutes, that's what I crave. And I really think this is where a lot of our world stands. Peace of mind just for five minutes. Because they're so frantic with everything that goes around them. So, and then, then I have older brothers. I, of course, my older bro- the oldest brother passed away. But I have another brother that's uh, 69, right? Just turned 69. So I remember that when I was a little kid. The the 60s and the peace symbols and the smiley faces that came along in the early 70s. But um, how would you define peace? And yes, that's a picture of your Ipperwash beach because it's my picture. And that's my kids' bubbles blowing through. They were playing bubbles that night. How would you define peace? Oh, Matt's looking at me. That means he must have an answer. No? (laughs) He was looking down. He looked up. I thought for sure he had an answer for me. How would you define? Take a stab at it. Anybody. There's not necessarily a right or wrong answer here. Security Security knowing that God is with me. Good. He's been to seminary or something. Anybody else? I guess I think of it more in the absence of the opposite. So absence of violence, absence of hardship, absence of that sort of Okay. So just where the physical security. Okay. So the day the day the days that I'm not here and teasing you, you find peaceful <laughs> at the church then, do you? I think it's a really good idea. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. 
a lower heart rate. Okay, my doctors don't do that for me. <laughs> okay, so Webster's or Merriam-Webster's now, peace, a state of tranquility or quiet, such as a freedom from civil disturbance, peace and order were finally restored in the town, right? So, I mean, if, if the Leafs win, you're going to find Greg beeping his horn all the way through forest, and then when he's gone, it'll restore to quietness. A state of security or order within a community provided by the law or custom, a breach of the peace. So that's why we would call them peace officers, right? So they'd keep things calm and secure. Freedom from disquieting oppressive thoughts or emotions. So I'd been in perfect peace and contentment. So people who struggle that with their mind, that was sort of what Alanis Morissette went after. I crave five minutes of peace. This idea of freedom from this disquieting, oppressive emotions and thoughts. Uh, third, harmony and personal relationships. The sisters are at peace with each other. Okay, so that would be one. Today is the day, Mother's Day. Um, there would have been some mothers in the church this morning, given the size of the church, that wouldn't have this in relationships with their children. And sometimes fathers, too, don't have this. They don't have that harmony. When we talk about a family being at peace, that there's personal relationships in families, with neighbors. Um, you know, right now we live in a very polarized world. And as we go through another election, you hear it again. And it's like, we you just get along? A state or a period of mutual concord between governments. There was a peace of 50 years before war broke out. A pact or agreement to end hostility. If we talk about peace treaties, negotiated peace. Um, used interjectionally to ask for silence or calm or as a greeting. So shalom would be a greeting. We're going to get into that. Um, problem was settled and his mind was at peace. Kind concept of something's playing on you. And then when the matter gets settled and is finished sort of a peace rolls over top of you. And obsolete, to become or keep silent or quiet. Now, I won't pick on anybody older here, but do you remember the day where you'd say to the children, peace, which meant to be quiet? I remember my grandmother, who would be a hundred and something now if she was alive, because <laughs> um, she was born in, I think, 1898. Or 96, 98, I think she was, and my grandfather was 1896. And when they wanted you to be quiet, it'd be peace. And it just meant, well, that's a polite way of telling you to shut up and sit down, is what it was. <laughs> we all knew what it meant. You know, swack you on the behind if you don't be quiet. But we don't, we don't see that anymore. But that is an obsolete term for it. Okay, so in Scripture, we find that peace occurs 367 times in 340 verses in the ESV. And, and here I've, I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek words or the Hebrew or Greek words, but we can just see how the difference is slightly between them. So here are the words in the Hebrew. Silence, still, silent, cut off, cut down, rest, cease, forbear, peace, quieted, tarry, wait. Keep silence, hold your peace, hold your tongue. Again, silence, and then peace, plow, device, keep, device, keep, silence, hold, tongue. 
all, all together, plowmen, cease, conceal. So oftentimes in the language, there's great variances depending how it's used in context. Again, hold, hold the peace, still, silence, silent, uh, at ease, peaceable, quietness, prosperity. Um, quiet, prosper, wealthy. So again, the peace is now starting to move a little bit because in our English, it's hard for us to get one word to encompass everything that we find. Then now we get more to what we see of shalom. shalom uh, in these last three, we've already had one. Peace, well, peaceable, welfare, uh, salute, prosperity, did safe, health, peaceable, pay, peace, recompense, reward, render, restore, repay, perform, good, end, requite, rest, restitution, finish, again, amends, full, and then peace, peace offering, perfect, whole, full, just, peaceable. So in the Hebrew, the primary word is shalom. And shalom is used as a greeting along with talking about peace. So one of the things, and, and it's not bad, um, if you're doing Bible study at home, um, some people will have the, the old Strong's Concordance if you're used to doing Bible studies and you can look up your word in the Strong's Concordance. Then you can get a number and you can take that number and you can look at the end of the Concordance or you can get the theological words of the Old Testament, uh, which is one of the sets I have and I have another set and you can go look the words up there. Well, the internet is a wonderful thing. There's this thing called the Step Bible <laughs> and the Step Bible makes it real easy and literally it's called that, Step Bible. So when you click on Step Bible online, it'll take you up to a page and on that page, it'll start with Genesis but if you click on beside that, underneath Genesis, it'll it'll give you a tab that will open up. You can pick your Bible and you hit, say, so when I'm doing Philippians, I hit Philippians and then after that, it tells me which chapter off to the side. You want chapter one, two, three, or four. So I hit what chapter I'm in. I'm giving away my secrets here. Only to a select few though. I hit that, which chapter I want, and then it brings up the chapter in the ESV. So I have Step Bible ESV is what I asked for. Brings it up, and then I go across and I can read. And when I come across the word, if I want to know a little bit more about what that word actually means, I just hover over it and double-click. When I hover over it, it comes on the screen. But if I double-click, it places it on the edge of my screen, and then I can read about that particular word. And it, it's important to do that, and it's... Not trying to make everybody into PhD scholars or anything like that, but some of the words are so full that sometimes you just get in your mind, what do they mean by that? Or it doesn't make sense. And the Step Bible online is just such an easy thing to go click, click, click. Ah, I get it. Um, and it's very good for that. So the primary Hebrew word is shalom. It's used 209 times in the Old Testament. So it's the, Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew concept of peace. And in that word shalom, it's meant wholeness, completeness, soundness, health, safety, prosperity. It carries with it the implication of permanence. That, so when I say good night, it's not just good night. It's shalom or greeting you. I want peace to be with you. I am wishing you all of this that you as a person will be whole, that you'll be complete, 
that the Lord will keep you safe, that the Lord will help prosper you. So it's a much, much richer greeting or saying goodbye than, night, Sam, <laughs> or, or hello, Sam, hi, Sam. Or as I saw Matt last week in the parking lot, hi, Matt. This, this is much, shalom is, and I, you know, it's almost like a blessing in the sense of, I, I wish you a wholeness to your time and what you're doing. So that's where we primarily find when they say shalom in the Old Testament. So, this guy named, and it's not me, Rabbi Robert, I just noticed that. <laughs> He's from Houston, and he kind of capsulizes the distinctiveness between what we talk about Roman peace, and in there, this wouldn't have been in ancient, ancient times of the Old Testament. This would have been moving more into the New Testament. But when they use the word shalom, so one can dictate peace. So Roman peace, you can dictate it. You've conquered somewhere, you've brought peace around. Shalom is, is a, a mutual greeting between two. Peace is a temporary pact. So we have peace in Jerusalem because we, for Roman, the peace was there because they've taken control of it all. In, in, in Shalom in Hebrew was, it's a permanent, it's an agreement. We, we live at Shalom with one another. This is, we're not going to war with each other. One can make a peace treaty. Shalom is the condition of peace. We're not making a shalom. We already would live it in shalom. Peace can be negative. Uh, the absence of commotion. Shalom is positive. It's, it's not just the absence of war, absence of the commotion. It's that presence of, in the Hebrew, of serenity, of calmness that there is with you. Uh, peace can be partial. Shalom is always meant to be a whole. And peace can be piecemeal, but shalom is meant to be complete. So when you wish shalom to somebody, so I see Hilda and I wish her shalom, I'm looking for completeness of health and wanting things to go well with you. Right? Okay. So Isaiah 26, we talked about this one this morning. And the primary why I picked peace for tonight is because we had used some of the word, verses in here already. So when I look at this, um, 26, 3, and 4, um, it talks about you keep him in perfect peace. In, in the Hebrew, that's perfect peace is one word. And it's that word shalom. It's perfect peace. It's only one word. Whose mind... And they go across, that's intention. So keep him in perfect peace whose intention, so your intention to do something, your intention to live, intention is stayed, go up to the green, to lean, lay, rest, support, uphold, lean upon. And then because he trusts, means to have confidence, Trust in the Lord, Lord God, that's Jehovah. Again, the Lord, Lord God is one word. It all means Jehovah is an everlasting or forever rock. So when you do something like that, we look at that verse and we think, okay, we're going to have perfect peace. Well, you keep him, keep him being us, whoever believes in him, in perfect peace whose intention 
is to lean on or rest upon you. Who's the you? Jehovah. Then he almost repeats it because he trusts or has confidence in who? In Jehovah, who is an everlasting rock. So shalom is complete. It's, it's more than that. That's what we mean. So when we trust in him, he gives us that perfect peace. God keeps us in that peace because we've gone to him and we're, we're leaning on him, we're trusting in him. And that part of the outcome of that trust is that he keeps us in perfect peace. He gives us his peace and upholds us. Okay, and I really meant that when I said March, you know, March was tough. Uh, having a, a brother that's not too old pass away and then a father-in-law pass away within days of each other. And we were talking about on the way down. There just, there was a peace in our household and with each other and with our children that I can't explain. It just all worked out through the week. And it's as God's hand was working on a chessboard just moving the pieces to make it work together. And that's, he, he just made it peaceful. So, some other translations did it this way. You will keep in perfect, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Or another translation, this is what I mean by dynamic equivalence. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Trust in the Lord forever, because Yah, the Lord, is an everlasting rock. So that's what we meant by that verse this morning and how it fit and dovetailed into Philippians. And it dovetails into this verse too. Because if you go back, we're to lean, rest, support, uphold, trust us to have confidence. And then if we move forward to Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So that's a seat. We're not necessarily talking about emotion. It's, it's a seat of our being, so our mind too. Now go back. Do not lean what? To our understanding. But we're going to what? With our mind, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths or it'll smooth your ways. So we're not going to be wise in our own eyes. We're going to fear the Lord, which means we're trusting in him, and we're going to turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So we're talking about peace in the Old Testament and trusting him. This is what we want. So again, um, not the same word, but the results are similar. To be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones goes along. It's not the exact same word, but it goes back to that concept of peace. Well, peaceable, welfare, that prosperity, the idea of safe and health and peaceable when we trust in the Lord. So again, not the same, exact same word, but when we trust in God and we look for him to provide peace, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 speaks to that in that he will bring healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now I go to the Greek, to the New Testament. 
the second one down is the most common, arena, and it means peace, one at rest, quietness. So the rest are variants of that. Uh, have peace, live peaceable, live in peace, be at peace. Again, peaceable, make peace. Peacemakers, hold one's peace, rest, cease, be quiet, quiet, peaceable. Hold one's peace, keep silent, keep close, keep secret. Again, hold one's peace, peace to be dumb or quiet, I believe, about it. And then to put to silence, hold one's peace again, to muzzle, be speechless, be still. Again, I've given you the primary Greek word. And uh, it was also uh, the name of one of the Greek goddesses. I believe that was one of Zeus's children, if you did Greek mythology, was Eurene. And it was, she was the goddess of peace, as opposed to, is it Arius was the god, god of war? Is that right? I think that's it. So biblically, the definition for peace in the New Testament is a state of sort of national tranquility it could be used for, an exemption from the rage and havoc of war. It could be peace between individuals, harmony, sort of that concord, agreeing, getting along, and then security, safety, prosperity, happiness, because there's peace and harmony, keeps things peaceful for everybody and prosperous. We can think of after all the destruction that happened in World War II, if you remember your history and all that what happened, and then afterwards what happened. We had many years of peace, tranquility, and it was prosperous for many years until 1973 in the oil crisis. No, um, there, was an, there was another war after that in the 60s. But for many years, um, you know, you talk to your friends south of the border, even talk to Canadians who have been around for a long time, and there seems to be this fascination with the 50s because the 50s after the war was absent of a lot. Korea was going on, but it wasn't as big. And there, there was just this peace and harmony amongst people and a building of a nation, and there was prosperity, and things seemed fairly safe. And then we got to the ruckus of the 60s and the rest of it. Uh, of Messiah's peace, the way that leads to peace or salvation, um, of Christianity, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Jesus Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, and that you're content with your earthly lot, um, that's another meaning to it. The blessed state of devout, upright men after death is that they are at peace with themselves and with God in the state they find themselves in. So there's a couple of things in the New Testament. So we see kind of, kind of two types of peace in the New Testament in the sense that there's objective peace and that peace is the relationship that you and I have with God. And we talked a little bit about this this morning from Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, we were... For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And that comes after we see from Romans 5.1, which we talked about this morning. Therefore, sin been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's objective. God has done everything to provide us peace, and that's a peace between us and him. So when we're born into this world, we're born enemies of God because we're born with a rebellious, sinful spirit, 
and we're born away from God. We're not at peace with Him. So when we have children in our home when they're younger, we got to remember we have little enemies of God. And, and I know we don't view them that way, but spiritually speaking, they are. They're at odds with the Creator because they have not come into that relationship with Him yet. So when we deal with our children, you don't think of Abe that way, I hope. When you deal with your children, the goal is to bring them into peace with God. Is that not the goal? Was that not the goal with your two? Okay, I know that was the goal with mine. So, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's peace in our relationship. Then we get more to an objective, subjective peace. It's about our relationship with God, and it's also about our experience. We talked about this this morning. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is a lot of what we spent our time on this morning. The fact that God gives us His peace. One, because we're justified to with Him. And the second is we're taking things to Him in prayer. So our concerns, we're taking them to His feet. And, and I know, you're probably a lot like me. You, you, you take them and you say, okay, God, there you go. I'm going to let you deal with it. And then a couple of days later, if you're like me, you're doing the moonwalk backwards and you're grabbing them again and you're going, oh, what's going to happen with these? And, and you have to lay it before him again. It's okay, God. But when we lay it before God and we live right because we're thinking right, and we run into this, this reciprocal relationship in the sense that God will give us peace. And that's learning, and it's much what you said. It's, it, and it's, it's a peace that, you know, that the carnal world, the unsaved, don't understand. Because it's a peace based in our trust that God will make things right. And if not here, and if not now, right? Because we've all lost friends or relatives to cancer. And, and that's not fun. And it's difficult. And it's not saying we're not going to grieve. But we trust God makes things right on the other side. And I think it grieves God's heart somewhat. Because what we live in now is not what was intended for from the beginning. We were created to live in relationship with him. All of us. But as we look around, the, the walk through our neighborhoods or, or drive down our concession roads obviously not everybody lives in relationship with him, which causes a lot of angst. And because of the sin of those that represented us many years ago in Adam and Eve, because of that sin, we suffer all kinds of consequences because we live in a universe that is groaning and moaning as it waits on Christ's return to make things new again and right. So that subjective piece, that experience, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. 
And that's the reminder, we always doing that. And that's why I said this morning, sometimes we keep going back just like the gentleman we met in Mark chapter 9, I believe it is. If I remember my sermon correctly. And it's, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me to be able to trust that you will make things right. You will look after things in the end. So that peace comes from setting it before God and saying, I know that you will make this right. If not here, when we're in heaven, it will be all set right. And it will be different there. Okay. So here's another one. John chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. So this was Christ towards the end of his ministry. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. So here we have Helper. So we're to look that word up, Helper. In other translations, they call him the Counselor. One called or sent to assist another, to advocate. We talked about Christ's intercessory for us or the Spirit's intercessory for us. So going to the Father on our behalf, when we can't pray, we don't know the words to pray. I don't know, have you ever had, anybody ever had that happen? You just go before the Father and you go, I really don't know what to say, but you know what's going on, Lord. And we're told the Spirit is our intercessor. He's our go-between. He's going to take all that we're struggling with and he's going to go to the Father and say, okay, here's what's going on in, in Yun's life or Hilda's life. We just go and say, I, I don't know what to say. I don't have the words. And that's where the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. So the Holy Spirit, he's our helper. He encourages. It's the Holy Spirit that comforts us. It's, it's like that poem, Footsteps, right? And at those times when we don't know what to do, whether it's a death of a loved one or a loss of a job or I've seen many people through my career go bankrupt and I've had Christians do that too and, and they just feel that in those times that, that there is something that just picks them up but we know that something is the Spirit working in our life and comforting us and encouraging us Okay, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to, your remember, to you your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace. So here the peace is the concept of harmony, tranquility. God's going to give us that tranquility that we need. I give to you, not as the world gives to you. So the world... That means the earth, the world system, the whole universe. In some contexts, it's the world is simply the place where people live. In other contexts, especially in John, the context is it's the world system opposed to God. Here, world means the world's system that is opposite God. So Christ is saying peace Harmony, tranquility, my peace, I'm going to leave with you. And it's not like the world's peace. The world's peace is fleeting. It's not anchored in anything. It, it cannot say everything is going to be all right. But Jesus can. 
Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So we look at those two words, troubled, to be agitated, disturbed, terrified, confused, uh, afraid, I'll not use purple next time, to be timid, to be afraid, cowardly. Don't let that be what your hearts are, because I'm giving you my peace. So I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. And it goes back to why. It goes back to what we talked about in Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Because we can trust in the one who holds the whole universe together. And that's that reminding ourselves again and again, God holds this all together for us. So we learn Jesus indicates he's going to be leaving here. But he also tells us and tells him, I'm not going to leave you alone. God the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. And they talk to him as the counselor, the one who's going to come along inside and aid. And the counselor is going to help us remember the teachings of Christ. And I'm giving you a peace that the world doesn't know. So peace is the ability to, even in our grief and our pain, to know that God is with us. And in the end, all will be made right. We've been given the ending. We know how it's ending, right? We've read Revelations. The end of the book is there for us to take. And he's saying, peace, trust in that. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we don't feel. So if anybody get that from this morning, that's not what I meant. Because Jesus himself wept. He had compassion for those who were mourned about Lazarus. He was moved when he looked down on the people in Jerusalem. And I think he's moved because it's, it's like this is not what it was meant to be, but I'm coming into your world to give you peace. This is why scripture says one day every tear will be wiped away. It's just that day hasn't arrived yet. We live in the in-between. But one day it'll be all wiped away. And for that, we can be thankful because there will be a day when this is all made right and we just need to learn to trust. And again, I go back to this morning. I am human. I often pray that prayer. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief because we all walk into those brick walls and we go, oh, what just happened? Why did this happen? What's going on? But God does and will open doors. And that's one thing we've tried to, to teach our kids, to trust and that God has it. And, and we, we have to do it so many times. Um, it's been a tough market for houses, right? And we've been telling our son, um, his, he got married down here, actually because of the pandemic, down the end of your road, Sam, um, at a cottage in 2020 in June. And his mother-in-law uh, was dying of cancer then. She had terminal cancer. Uh, last Mother's Day, uh, we were told we were going to be grandparents. And she was told too, the same weekend. And um, she was thrilled about it. 
and she never made it. She died in August of last year. So the kids moved out of their apartment, and the young son that that uh, her younger brother, my daughter-in-law's younger brother, moved into the apartment because it was smaller where my son was staying, and his wife, and uh, my daughter, my son moved into the mother in law's home to look after it while the estate settled things. And uh, as they got looking, because they knew the year's coming up and they needed to find some place to live, and now they had a little baby born in January, and we kept saying to them, just calm. God will, God's got, God knows your concerns. Just continue. Do you pray about it? Yes, we're praying about it, Dad. But he'd be on the, on the real estate thing, all that. God will open something up. And they were always, always getting outbid. You know, houses that were listed for four hundred thousand were going for six hundred thousand. So he knew he wasn't going to live in London. He was okay with that. He was looking at houses in Warwick <laughs> and his jobs in London, and he was getting outbid on those ones. And it was just ridiculous. I said, "God's got it. You just need to trust." And I got this from my father because he told us this when we got married and we're looking for something. I would have got something very expensive and, God, and my dad said, no, God's got something that'll fit in your budget. God's got something that'll fit in your budget. So when we rented an apartment, I phoned my dad. I said, I think I found one. I shared the news with him. He says, that's the one for you. I'm sure of it. A few years later when they did, the, they had to do some heating stuff and they showed us all the rental costs in the two buildings that were together. We had the cheapest apartment in the two buildings right across from the Bible College in London. 1987, we paid 250 a month for that apartment. And God provided. So he said to my son, just have, let God's peace reign and God will work out of this. He just this week bought a house in Exeter. Anybody know the park, McNaughton Park in Exeter? You're familiar? You know the house in the park? Well, my son owns it. <laughs> the Christian family sold it. Um, Harry Lamb, who's a believer and a real estate agent in London who I've met and he's good friends with, um, a real estate friends that we have that our son was using. And the reason I know and understand that God looks after us, who's always getting outbid, when the bids closed, there is only one person that bid on the house. That was my son and my daughter-in-law. And it was within their budget. They went a little higher than the asking price just so that they were sort of in the ballpark. And the couple said, well, can we get more? What should we do? And they sat down with the two believing agents and said, look, things are cooling down a little bit. It's changing. They're meeting all your conditions. Not sure you're going to get as much as what you thought because things have changed very quickly, but they were the only ones. So God does care. He, and this is an example, and it's, it's a poor example, but the end of our lives, the end of this world God knows the ending, and he has it. We just have to trust that he'll piece it together. We don't always see what's going on behind the scenes, but he does. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will help us to have peace in our lives. And that's hard sometimes, and we have to go again and again to you and handing things back off. But help us to understand, uh, and Father, to understand that we can come before you and just say, help our unbelief. Help us to trust in you. It can be so hard because this life is what we know. And when we're challenged with health problems and uncertainties and job losses in a world that's changing to where we don't recognize what we used to interact with, it can be very difficult.
So, Father, we give you all these worries and concerns. And, Father, we know that there are people in the church that may suffer from an anxiety disorder. And, Father, help us to come along people like that, that they not feel shame or rejected, but that we will carry one another's burdens and that you will use us to speak peace into those individuals' lives. And for some of them, it may be a season. For some of them, it may be that we need to speak in peace into their lives for their whole lives. But that's okay. You've called us together to be a family. May we have said on each other, and may you give us your peace. And may we learn to walk with you, the God of peace, each and every day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.